0: Cause it's a pig. A distant neat shot, you know it will be right, cause it's flipping insane. It's just a pig. A distant niche. More precious than a diamond on the black machine.
1: Hello and welcome to a long-delayed pandemic special episode of the pick. Uh we're we're doing things a little different this week, uh, and that starts right at the top with with our cast of characters because we've got an extra guy. Uh this week on the pick you'll be hearing Sean Lemmy, John Otney, Colin Westman,
2: Matt Carson.
1: That's right. The original four from the top ten Thursdays days. The people you heard talk about due nineteen eighty four a year ago are back. And we're gonna talk about Uh, The 2021 The Denis Villeneuve version of Dune Which has just come out Just had a sequel greenlit Very excited about that Uh, But that's not the only movie we wanted to talk about Uh, There's another uh, Long delayed Victim of the pandemic That also just finally came out this month Uh, And we're going to do that As our sort of group little pick uh, That we're just going to jump Right into Uh, No preamble on this one It's so the latest and final Daniel Craig, James Bond movie, No Time to Die. Do you guys even care about this movie anymore now that Dune's come out?
3: It is funny how I feel like all enthusiasm for this movie is, is dissipated already. <laughs> it's only been, what, three three weeks?
1: Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't that long which, ago? As, as also, I think that for me has been the curse of of the pandemic. On this, is there were times I forgot No Time to Die existed, mm-hmm. um, which was not the case with Dune. You know, I always had my eye on on Dune uh, up till it's very late delay when it was. You know, it seemed like it was still coming out in twenty twenty for a long time. Uh, uh, up to up till now, when it finally came out, I was I was had it in the back of my mind. But uh, James Bond, he would. Uh, like a spy, just disappear. <laughs> just lose track of him.
3: Was it okay. even number one for more than one week? I think it was only number one for its opening weekend. Because uh, I think Halloween Kills came out, and now No Time to Die is currently sitting at three. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I haven't really heard like a lot of like uh, just conversation, like getting into the nitty and gritty. And, and you think there would be, seeing as it's the the end of the. Daniel Craig saga
1: Right Which I think is the the interesting Thing about this is they Decided to go serialized With these um, what five James Bond Movies with Daniel Craig um, And and not only that They became increasingly Serialized um, Where you know the Quantum sauce sort of picks up where the first one left off But other than that you don't need to remember too much uh, but but now by no time to die if you're not if you don't have a clear picture in your head of like who all these characters are what their relationships are uh and specifically what villain what uh past villains they've been attached to i think you're going to have a little bit of trouble uh enjoying this movie um and i think it'll be interesting to see if that sort of thing continues on when they make the next James Bond movie
3: do you guys think specter killed people's enthusiasm for the daniel craig bond movies mm.
2: I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I, don't I feel. not so. I feel like people were, like, excited to get one more good one. hmm And I say that as someone that likes Spectre I like it just fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like
0: Spectre is still isn't as hated as uh, Quantum of Solace. <laughs> and people were still excited for Skyfall after that movie, so... You know, every movie's a clean slate. You know, <laughs> Bond always comes back, and there's, there's always new
1: opportunities to do a new thing with him. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I liked Quantum Sauce more than I liked Spectre. I I I think really? Spectre I would, I would rank
0: lower. I feel like you're trashing it on the blog like every day when it came out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I well, mostly I hated that fucking title. It's so bad. Okay,
0: maybe it was just that.
3: Do they explain what that is in the movie, though, at least?
1: Well, it's a, it's a cop-out, because Quantum is just the name of an organization. Mm. Oh, and I, going back to my rankings, I do have Spectre ranked higher than Quantum Assault, so I guess I'm wrong. I'm, <laughs> I guess I did like Spectre more, um, but...
2: Quantum is like a subsidiary of Spectre.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and and that's confusing, and that's part of the... The trouble I had with Spectre was unraveling all of that But also, going back to that title Quantum also means just like A very, very small amount So it's just like You know, because it's about It's a revenge movie, so James Bond gets like a very, very Small amount of solace getting his revenge I guess
3: Yeah, it was nice to get back to more conventional Bond titles With this recent one, No Time to Die Sounds like it could have been a name of a, a Bond entry from the 60s It's perfect this is just back to basics. Mm-hmm. I guess there's not much else to say about it, except it ends on a note that's a little
2: different from other Bond movies. I knew I knew it was gonna happen.
3: I wasn't a hundred percent, but when it when I realized it was gonna happen, I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. I guess that makes sense.
2: I just felt mm-hmm. like if they were gonna if they were gonna do it with anybody it would be Daniel Craig because they've 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 done so many different things with Daniel Craig, so might as well Especially since it's serialized, might as well just finish it off. I actually didn't like the ending.
3: I want—I wanted a happy ending. Maybe I'm just a (laughs) sucker. Uh, but like this, just this fucking dweeb is the guy to to finish it off. I'm trying to be vague, though. I think it's yeah.
1: Well, I think (laughs) when you say this fucking dweeb, everyone knows you're talking about Rami Malek because he's like very. I mean, he's on the poster. People know he's the bad guy. Um, and I think it's it's interesting because he starts out so scary as the man in the mask you know, you know, attacking the little girl in the cabin at the beginning of this movie. Uh, and then he sucks the rest of the time. He sucks real bad.
2: What do you mean by suck? <laughs> I'm just like...
1: I don't think he stands a chance against anyone in this movie in a fight. I think... Uh,
2: the bad guys in Bond aren't usually the ones fighting people. Hands but they they
3: they have a presence. They're they're intimidating.
2: Yeah, well, he's got fucking like an army on an island.
1: Yeah, I guess. But like also his plan being a sort of convoluted like I'm I also have a secret organization, but it's going to it's going to kill the other secret organization and then hold the world hostage, I guess. It was it, it wasn't even I wasn't even sure what his ultimate goal was.
2: I thought you say that I want to see Goldfinger like straight up fight somebody. <laughs> yeah. With a golf club or something. Hell yeah. Belly flop someone.
3: Uh he's just sad. He misses his family. Yeah. yeah. Daddy wasn't there.
1: And g he's, he's got to be what in his 50s. Oh <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah. I don't know. Seems like it, I guess. The poison kept him young.
1: Hmm? (laughs) (laughs) That actually is a pretty apt uh, connection to go into Dune, if you guys are ready. Uh, A series about a poison that does keep you young. Uh, But I don't want to stop this (laughs) if someone else had anything else to say about No Time to Die. Nah. (laughs) nah. Yeah, I I thought. It's fine. Yeah, it was a nice emotional ending to Daniel Craig instead of just being a sloppy mess like Spectre was. Uh, I also although like I, guess, Spectre. Like, I guess it had some cool stunts. It had the Come on, Dia de los Muertos stuff at the beginning. I remember yeah, that's it's good. sweet. I don't Spectre, remember what else is Spectre good. Spectre had
3: a lot more octopus shit in the credits, <laughs> which I
1: appreciate. I don't
2: know why. I just don't understand the Spectre hate. I don't get it at all.
1: Uh, there's the part where they try to torture him by making his brain bad, and then they do it, and then it has no effect on him.
2: Yeah, you know, it's not a, it's not a direct <laughs> science. You know, they're just fucking torture, torture bond all the time.
1: Yeah, but the most of the time, it's like, hey, we're gonna hit you in the balls, and it's gonna hurt. It's like, yeah, I get that. Yeah, well,
2: Blowfield's a little more uh, sophisticated than that. I'm gonna drill a small hole in your head. No I just keep thinking about like the most crass
3: Bond villain who's like okay you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna kick you in the nuts and it's gonna hurt (laughs) He's just like a
0: schoolyard Bully
3: (laughs) Bond has to face his schoolyard bully as an adult
0: (laughs) (laughs) But he like grows up and he's like Kind of sad and balding and fat But Bond's like I still Gotta do this gotta kick this guy dude
3: once i get off my shift to kinkos i'm gonna kick you in the fucking balls
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that is our recap of casino royale the first of the daniel craig james bond movies which are now over uh but like i said i wanted to talk about um that that sweet sweet spice melange the life extending drug that also becomes so addictive that you die if you stop taking it um, the specifics of which are not really the sort of thing that the Denis Villeneuve uh, adaptation of Dune would go into, uh, but I am firmly, firmly, firmly in the camp that that is okay. That uh, a movie like this uh, is its own thing. It, um, uh, a movie adaptation of a book should not exist to like replace the book and make it irrelevant. Uh, it should exist to inspire. People to want to read that book or to get immersed in that mythology, and I think, uh, as an adaptation, the 2021 Doom movie was totally successful at achieving that goal. What did you guys think?
3: I will say it's hard to view this movie um, as as someone who's read the book. Now, like I I, re- I really haven't spoken to anyone who hasn't read the book and what they think about it, because obviously, um, you know I I loved it. You know it was great. But yeah, stuff like oh, I wish they talk more about spice. I wish they talk more about politics.
2: But we don't we don't
1: know. hear things like Chome. or <laughs> the Butlerian Jihad,
2: the Orange Catholic Bible, the Orange
1: Catholic. I mean, we see one, but we don't, they don't talk about it.
3: I mean, would that have just added fat to a movie that didn't need it? That was already sort of long. I, I just I'm really curious to get someone's perspective who is not familiar at all with this source material? <laughs> well, I guess I
0: can report, because I saw it with my girlfriend who did not read the book, uh, but did see me reading it for months on end at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, and she enjoyed it overall. Um, I think she did say, actually, it felt a little textbooky towards the beginning, but it, that, that wasn't too bad. Um, I think the thing that that kind of stuck with me that she said was that it felt a little familiar like the story of this guy who's just like the chosen one who's gonna overcome this you know dark presence in the universe which obviously is star wars or harry potter but dune obviously (laughs) the book was written before those you know movies came out uh so I, i guess that like there are some limitations of how The text can translate to our our current blockbuster universe that has kind of already taken things from that book in the past
1: yeah well and i think that's also interesting because i mean on paper it is sort of a white savior narrative um especially what you see in the second one but as book readers we all know that the the case uh that Frank Herbert is making is, is the exact opposite that, uh, Paul Atreides and the, and his successors are manipulators and they are making the universe worse by uniting people and leading them, uh, into ultimately mass genocide. Um, it it is, I mean, also, I guess Paul Atreides isn't necessarily white. Uh, but so I, I, in, well, there you go. So he's not white and he's not a savior. So I think it's, If you read the book, you can't call it a white savior story. But I think on film, uh, especially judging by the way the 1984 movie told the story where, uh, if you remember at the end, Paul uh, becomes the emperor and then it starts raining all over Arrakis as if all the bad times have ended. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's just a necessary limitation of simplifying the story down to something that can be digested in a few hours is... um, you're going to lose that that subtext, um, but I hope that that is something that uh is is a part of the sequel is that uh you know the ending should feel more like the ending of uh Revenge of the Sith than the ending of Return of the Jedi I think
2: yeah, I mean, I feel like that really depends on if they want to make the third movie um, <laughs> that's what's interesting to me is. Th- like that one scene I keep thinking about, the where he's having the vision of the jihad, and it's like, Whoa, we're getting some Dune Messiah shit in here, which is really where like the this is not a white savior story stuff comes into place. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, basically, it's all about hey, remember your hero? He's he's not a hero. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have trusted him.
0: So have there been talks of doing a third one already? Is is that
2: something? So on they, the uh, one of the Dune YouTubers I watch was talking about how he said that, like he heard in an interview somewhere sometime, I can confirm it, but that mm. uh, Denis Villeneuve said that he would want to, like his dream would be to do Dune Messiah, but not do anything after that
1: which i think okay. is fair because yeah. once once you're after that i think you're in the territory of this should probably be like a tv series or yeah yeah something. i mean <laughs> after, that, after that
2: after that it, it it those are kind of like their own stories kind of they they're not really super you're just following different characters at that point mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, I think ultimately the message of of what I what I've read in one and a half Dune books. But I think Nancy would agree, having read three and a half Dune books. Four is you you finished the fourth one.
2: Yeah, that the day we saw it, I finished it.
1: Oh, nice! Okay. I just didn't
2: want to make sure. I want to make sure that there wasn't going to be any you know <laughs> Godworm references.
1: It seems to me like the central theme of these. Books is to beware of charismatic leaders. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so, to, it's kind of unfortunate that a lot of the political side of this first story is not in this movie. I think I think it's a fair criticism mm-hmm. to say that it's, you know, uh, everyone talks about they don't have that banquet scene, uh, where where basically everyone who's important to the politics of arrakis gets together and talks about it um but there's you know uh if if you read the book there it's the the same story and is the first half of the book that you see in this movie except there's a whole lot more subterfuge uh, and and a lot more going on than than you see in what feels like instead a pretty straightforward story of people walking into a trap and then just trying to survive
2: well yeah. i I felt like sorry go ahead um, I was
3: just going to say, I will say that I'm glad that they kept the uh, political goals of the Baron as vague and mysterious as possible, because that was one of the things that I hated about the 80s Dune movie, is right after the uh, Princess Rulon's head is floating and tells you what <laughs> Dune is about, isn't the first scene in that movie, the Emperor talking to... Um, uh, Uh, A navigator And they're being like You you must kill the Atreides family (laughs) (laughs) It's like right up front They tell you this is what you gotta do I'm like wow This this lacks so much subtlety This is so lame (laughs) But it looks sweet (laughs) Yeah We didn't get to see any of the navigators In this movie (laughs) Real bummer We only got one real mutant Real legit mutant and uh, the Baron's like pet spider, human dog, whatever that was. Oh, yeah, so nobody knows what that, that is. So I was I was really glad that we didn't have to get into the political side of uh, of the Harkonnens. But mm, as for the Atreides clan, the one element I missed the most was uh, kind of the infighting between Thuffer and Lady Jessica. I thought that was a really interesting dynamic of of someone who doesn't trust the Benny Jester, doesn't trust this woman. Um and then Suffer who like you wanna sympathize for, he's kinda like one of Paul's mentors, but also maybe he's got other goals, other aspirations that aren't in the family's favor. I don't know. And I feel like that character is um is so much more one dimensional now. Uh But I mean if you're going to cut screen time From any character I guess it better be him Right
1: Yeah although uh, uh, Along with it you lose um, Most of the Doctor Yue plot uh, To the point where I think a lot of people Will forget he's in the movie Until the point where he is betraying (laughs) the family Like oh yeah there's that guy Who's very integral To the plot (laughs) (laughs) Only when it's convenient um, and it, I think it also It does simplify Duke, Duke Leto Down to you know just Doomed man uh, Where in the book it, it felt like you know he's a smart Guy who is charismatic and he knows He's walking into a trap but he thinks he's Smarter uh, Than than everyone else and he's going to be able to to Turn the tables on them um, And he does do I, 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 If I remember correctly In the book he's like he has Uh like his guys attack the Harkonnens a few times, and like he he actually is making more headway with the Fremen. Uh, and he just seems like a more active character than the the version we get in the movie, who's just just a really good dude who's
2: fucked. And and that's kind of one of my main criticisms is is he's I don't really get that feeling of how good of a dude he is. Right. Like along with that and Eric King being so dead, like there's nobody lives there. There's, mm-hmm. you, you don't see anybody. I mean, in, in the book and especially in the, in the TV miniseries, they spend a lot of time like showing you how like good of a guy Duke Leto is and how like, you, you know, there were some examples in the movie of that, but, but I kind of, I felt like that's the main motivation for the Emperor to get rid of the Duke is because everybody likes him so much. Yeah. And I ca- I feel like it's going to be hard to explain that motivation in the next movie, like once he's already dead. You know?
1: But I don't yeah. think they necessarily need to. I think they can no, just be like, sure. well, the Emperor is an evil dick.
2: Yeah. Yeah I, I just like some of my favorite scenes in the in the book are like when when the when the ladies sopping up the water you know and, and mm-hmm. like and, and lady Jessica's like what what are you doing? She's like, "Well, oh, I'm just going to suck this down this rag later." She's like, "No, we're going to give water to everybody now." I kind of the, the, the only thing I kind of got out of the movie was like when Paul's talking to the landscaper guy but, yeah, and he's like, "Should we stop?" And the guy's like, "No." And I'm like, "Why not?" Like, he doesn't really explain it very well. Right,
1: which I think that ties into another really important theme from the book that's not as big in the movie, which is the ecocentrism aspect of it. Um, yeah. like there there's this whole vision in the book of a green arrakis. A lot of people have this this dream that they cling to. Of, of turning it into a, a, a lush uh you know uh, green green planet uh and and they know that there's a bunch of water you know hidden deep down under all the sand that they just can't get to um and and especially this is all represented by the character liette kines in the first half of the book who um had had been working with uh with his father to try to terraform the planet uh before he ended up just going native and joining the fremen and
2: uh, so, and, who uh, who is motivated to terraform? Is it the Fremen, or is it? Yeah, that's why they're saving their spit. Remember, mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh,
3: spitting
1: yeah. into jars
2: of shit. <laughs> yeah. And that's
3: another one of those things where I'm like, I love this. I love that they're not telling us what this is for yet. But I fear there's going to be too much to explain in the next movie. But maybe not. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, but at the very least, I feel like the. <sighs> it doesn't it doesn't get together or it doesn't uh, convey as much to me how precious water is on Arrakis. like it it still mm-hmm. just feels like this is a desert planet and so it's hard to survive and so that's why we're we're like ch- trying to be careful with water but it's it's different from what the book conveys which is basically you know like every bead of sweat is like <laughs> the most precious is more valuable than gold
2: yeah i mean it's 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 funny cuz in the you know distant future it does get terraformed but everybody's fucked because there's yeah. like there's no spice mm-hmm.
1: which yeah and, and that is uh, that goes back to the other theme about you know the, the conflict of, of leaders it's 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 capitalism run amok right the powerful elite want arrakis to be a desert planet because they get the spice that extends their life and lets them fold space uh, and and everyone else suffers because of it
3: do you guys feel like we got enough of the spice
2: that's the thing is like with the dinner scene they explain how they're like eating it 24 7 and like i don't remember paul being that sensitive to it i mean he wouldn't he just be like tripping balls the moment he walked on the planet you know so i feel like it's not the spice is kind of like oh it's only like in the sand or whatever and it's only way out in the desert and you don't really experience it unless you're, like, you know, doing lines of it or something. <laughs> they should have had that.
3: <laughs> the Baron so doing spice. lines of Spice.
1: I don't think they like, say the word melange in the whole movie. I think they just call it Spice the whole time.
3: I mean, that's probably for the best, right? To, to keep the terminology down a bit.
1: Because um, there's not okay. like enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: <laughs> that should fair. have handed out a glossary, like, <laughs> like I'm the
3: original good. movie. That's what they did. Did they? <laughs> yeah, for the '80s movie. Gosh, what a clusterfuck that must have been! Like sitting down and watching that. If you've never read the book, I am. I was confused. I read. The, I just finished the book. <laughs> That's why I'm I wonder... so fucking annoyed. With already getting these stupid clickbait articles, they're like, Ugh, actually, the 80s one is like more interesting, is better. In a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> it really—I don't think anyone really has that. I mean, I guess if you're like a David Lynch like super fan, you might hold that opinion. But even he doesn't like that movie,
1: so he tried to get his name taken off of it. <laughs>
3: And like when they were even asking him about the new Dune, it wasn't even like he like he like hated the idea of the making a new Dune. He's just like that was just too much of a painful memory of of the, of the original movie. I don't I don't want to think about Dune anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. It, um, I, oh, go ahead. No,
3: I mean I'm not gonna. It's, it's I just I don't think it deserves any kind of like oh this was actually like a masterpiece. No, it was <laughs> a personal failure for him, a critical failure, hell, a studio interference. I don't think it deserves that cult status and we have a a, a way better version of Dune now.
1: (laughs) Right, which to me uh, brings up what my thesis was for this section of this in my notes, which is I felt like watching Dune uh, how I think I would have felt if I had read Lord of the Rings when I saw Fellowship of the Ring for the first time. Hmm. Um, And so I'm hoping that newcomers to this series instead had the experience that i had when i was uh what like 13 and i saw fellowship of the ring in, in theaters and it blew my mind and and i think you know back then and still now there are people who are like well you know Lord, Lord of the rings they're not it's not really about like the big fights it's it's about singing and camaraderie and Tom smoking Bamadale. pipe weed oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah reading about history and it's like i read those books and, those, and they're they're great too they are much more boring I I think I would say the same thing about Dune. It's much more boring than, than this movie, um, and, and like I was saying before, they can exist as separate things. I don't think a, a movie should exist to like replace the book in your life. I think it should add something more to it. And so they took the Dune story and they stripped out a lot of the the, the core underlying themes to make it into a thriller ride that could be PG thirteen. Uh, that'll get people into the franchise. Uh, that'll, you know, hopefully stand the test of time as a, as a, like a sci-fi epic masterpiece. Um, and I think they were totally successful in that pursuit. Like for me, yeah. this is a
2: five-star movie. And and I, it's funny because I can get caught up because I'm such a big fan of the book. I can get caught up in all the things that weren't there. But when I read an interview. Uh, with Danny Villeneuve about like what he did focus on. And it kind of made sense to me. Like, okay, this, he's taking out all those things, but he's really making it the focus of, you know, uh, Paul and Lady Jessica, like Paul and his mom. That's, that's the emotional core. That's what really, you know, carried me through the movie. Interested is, you know, the, their relationship and how hard it is for both of them to be, Doing what they're doing, and 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 that's what really worked. And I'm glad, kind of, that's what he focused on. I feel like that's the mo- the most relatable aspect of the movie.
1: Yeah, and I think it's the most relatable aspect of that book too. Yeah, uh, because uh, in, in the book, you're in all the characters' heads all the time, so you you are going on their emotional journey as they're experiencing mm-hmm. this uh, horrific event. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm totally on board with that. And, and also, I think it's it's worth remembering. He doesn't. It's not like they added in like a ton, like a lightsaber fight in the middle of this that wasn't in the book, or, or like pull this sweet. <laughs> <laughs> they they didn't pull the movie in in a in a different direction from the book. You know, just just for cinema, just to just to you know put asses in seats. Everything that's in here, uh, with some like very very minor uh, asterisks on this. Basically everything in the movie is from the book. It's just they couldn't put everything from the book in the movie.
2: It's funny because I still I still kind of got the David Lynch pacing vibe where it was like it was moving, it was moving, it was moving, and it was still half the book in two and a half hours.
0: You know. Yeah, but this one doesn't shove the last. Half of yeah. the book into the last in... half hour of this exactly, yeah, in an yeah. incredibly condensed way. Yeah, God. The other thing about that David Lynch movie is I feel like the entire thing takes place at night. It was, <laughs> it was nice to see the bright, the bright desert in the way yeah. that you actually imagine it in the book, and not this weird yeah.
1: nocturnal <laughs> version of Arrakis. Absolutely, I don't think anyone wants sand stage or sound stage versions of sand dunes. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't work. But yeah, that's so to Nancy's point, the uh, the 1984 movie is 137 minutes long. So, shorter than this one with twice as much story. <laughs> uh yeah, I, I, but uh, I guess to to play devil's advocate, I have seen some people complain that uh, the movie looks kind of washed out, a little desaturated. I know they made an explicit choice because of the lack of water to depict Iraq's skies as um, white, as opposed to blue, which I think mm-hmm. definitely lends to that that feeling that it's not a very colorful movie. Uh, did, did you guys have any problem with with the look of the film? I didn't really
2: notice that. Um, no,
3: I didn't I didn't have any trouble with that. I mean I figured they did it because it took place on a desert planet where everything's already kinda washed out. Um and I don't remember, I'd have to watch it again, but I, I would I would imagine that those scenes on Caladan uh probably have higher contrast and Arnas. Or maybe, maybe they maybe have the same problem, I don't know. Uh, uh, did they do that contrast between like Caladan's nice and lush? Now we're on this bleak desert planet. Like I wonder if there's a distinct visual change
1: And like, Yeah clearing. I don't think there's there's enough though I, I, If there's one thing I would have changed I would have liked Caladan to be greener And more paradise Because yeah. mm-hmm. it yeah. still felt like Rocky and it just felt like You know a wet planet It didn't feel that different from the Sardacar Planet except for the fact that it was Raining
2: and They didn't have all these upside down bodies <laughs> <blood>. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know the little things. No, they definitely just they just definitely graves.
3: should have made Caladan more lush and like more fun. We should have had like a I just can't wait to be king type scene where Paul's like <laughs> swinging around on giraffes talking about how great Caladan is and how he's excited.
2: The place is good. Before we get too far ahead, we have to address the elephant in the room. Okay. The reason why this is not a five star movie. Mm. Uh oh. They don't talk about poop or pee. <laughs> 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 Fucking bullshit. <laughs> sweat and tears, get out of here. Fuck that shit. Yeah. They they got into it in the book. Oh, well, they get way into it.
0: People just can't Maybe.
2: handle it.
3: <laughs> Again, s- then we saw the second movie. Let's just wait. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like remember what
0: I they told you about sweat and tears. <laughs> There's actually pee in the suit
2: I guess we yes. haven't seen anyone use the suit Yet <laughs> That, that we suit. know of That we know of,
1: yeah We, we do see that they're taking Jamis' body with them at the end of the movie So if they pick right up Where where that left off We'll see what they do to that
2: Jamis wasn't Was even the, in the first um, movie is, is it in the first half like would it have been in this movie um is it duncan idaho who describes like like oh yeah they killed that guy and they just fucking ate him up like real quick you remember that
1: yeah i think that's uh maybe um could have been gurney as well i don't know one of those two yeah um yeah they don't the the uh the Fremen don't mess around with with their bodies. There's a lot of liquid in there. They, yeah. they get at.
3: I don't know where to fit this into the conversation, but I really want to bring up the fact that um, I was super nervous about seeing this with like an audience who I just assumed maybe wasn't super familiar with what they were gonna watch, and that like it was me the kind of movie where it ends and someone's like, "What? I don't get this," like <laughs> that kind of thing. I was so glad oh, to that, see that that people guy behind were, us. Well, I have to bring up that one guy, but I, 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 I'm glad that people, I feel like, get this movie and are on its wavelength. Um, but yeah, I wanted to find some opportunity to talk about that guy who, there's a scene where... Um, the first scene. Yeah. Like the yeah, opening Kusumi shot. Yeah, has his shirt off, and he's a very slender gentleman, and this guy behind us is, well, what do you see? Like, oh, like, eat a sandwich, or like, eat a meal. But <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, like, he kind of said it like, this is going to be a joke, and then like, Crickets. Silence. And I was like, Thank like, God.
2: But that's like, you, did he think that was out that, that was
0: over? how this movie was going to go? He's just be cracking jokes the whole time. I don't know. Everybody, <laughs> and, be and then like three people
2: it. came in the theater like screaming. Oh yeah. And oh right yeah. That, <laughs> I, I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Thankfully, they left immediately. Otherwise, yeah. good experience. I, that guy
3: didn't make any more comments. He's probably just too embarrassed for bombing so hard. <laughs> that reminds me um, years ago when I saw the movie Bridesmaids at in college at the Cirque Theater. And some guy like made some joke, which I feel like... I don't remember the joke, but I feel like it was kind of sexist, too. And he got booed, and then he just left. <laughs> <laughs> he got booed out of the theater for his bad joke. That's great. It was, it was pretty great. Um...
0: The titles of the movie do say "Dune Part One," though, even though it's yeah. not being billed as that. Uh, so yeah. I guess that gave it gives the audience a little bit of an
3: indication that yeah. there's not going to be a resolution by the end. They're plus not the, they're not like us
2: constantly refreshing their phones, but like has it been greenlit yet? Has it been greenlit yet? <laughs>
3: <laughs> they just assume. You
2: know. Yeah. And plus the final uh, line in the movie. It's just the beginning. Yeah.
1: Real fuck you from Johnny. But are you guys ultimately glad that you saw this in the theater? Uh, do you agree with Villeneuve's uh, assertion that this must be experienced on the big screen?
2: Uh, I haven't watched it on my TV yet, so. But I don't know. I'm, I'm less and less impressed with my theater experiences. Maybe as I get older or as I've been like back to the theater in the last few months. I don't know. I I feel like the big screen isn't isn't doesn't mean that much to me anymore. I mean, Cinerama was a different thing, mm-hmm. but like just you know, run in the mill theater is not that like awe inspiring to me.
0: Uh, I mean, you can guess where I stand. I've already seen HBO Max movies in theaters just because I love the big screen experience, especially because I haven't. I don't know if I've seen like a a big blockbuster like this in theaters post-pandemic. Oh, I guess I saw Bond, but uh, there was something, like, special about seeing, like, kind of a new franchise, like, you know, when we saw Lord of the Rings for the first time, with a bunch of people who didn't necessarily know what kind of journey they were going on, because, you know, when you see a a Marvel movie, you usually know what to expect from it, but, like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, experiencing a totally new, big, epic franchise with an audience for the first time. I I came out of it just feeling
1: great. I loved it.
2: I'm kind of getting excited to watch it again. I
1: mean, for me, another part of the theater experience that's really important is being sat in a dark room with a huge screen it means I'm forced to pay full attention the whole time yeah that's true which i just can't do at home anymore that's that that part of my life is over at home even if i'm watching a movie in a foreign language with subtitles i'm still going to get my phone out at one point and look at it (laughs) i think i think also it's uh we wouldn't have gotten this cast we wouldn't have gotten this level of spectacle We, we wouldn't have gotten Denis villeneuve if this was like a tv show this yeah this we've, pedigree only happens with movies.
2: That's the thing, and like, like we've gotten a TV show, and it was fine. It's much better than the first movie, <laughs> but yeah, you, you're not gonna get this level of of awesomeness. Yeah, that way. Like I just like all the casting to me was so good. Like I keep think I keep thinking back and back and back to Stilgar and how fucking awesome Stilgar is. Yeah, and I wanted could. to talk about the cast, yeah, if we perfect. could. Yeah.
1: So you think Stilgar is perfectly cast? I do, yeah. Um, I'm. I don't think I'm going to disagree with you. I think he's great in this.
2: Like, I'm really excited for more Stilgar in the next one. Yeah. Uh, my question to you guys is, is what do you think about Josh Brolin as Gurney? Okay. So
1: going for the other guy from No Country for Old Men <laughs> in this movie. I, I think it, um, it's...
3: Uh, I mean, Gurney is a grizzled guy. Um, obviously, he's a bit of a poet too. Uh, and I yeah, think Josh Brolin. <laughs> I think Josh Brolin was uh, was was good, but I, I'm just a little tired of seeing him in general. <laughs> um, but he, I, th- I thought it was appropriate. But I do wonder if they could have done something a little more interesting. I'm not. I'm not sure what other direction they could have gone in. Yeah,
1: okay. I think. It's funny that he, you know, has a reputation for being a guy who like goes around the set with a guitar too, to that he's playing a character that.
3: Also, oh, I didn't even know that. Well, there you go.
1: Like, has his dumb baliset that he gets out and, and strums. Uh, but he did not appar- Apparently, there is a cutscene of of him playing the baliset. Mm-hmm. So DVD special
2: features. Let's look
1: forward <laughs> to. You're going to buy that uh, on DVD, Yeah. Sean? Paul
2: does say, P- why don't you play me a song, old man? Yeah,
1: you, Colin, you bet your fucking ass I'm going to get the 4K Blu-ray of this.
0: No, I asked <laughs> if you were going to buy it on DVD. You <laughs> <laughs> said full. DVD special features. Yeah, full screen. Just get every edition, Sean. <laughs>
1: I'm going to buy it, yeah, just, just to be sure <laughs> that the sequel happens, even though it's already been greenlit. Not messing around.
3: Now I want to see it in pan and scan. I want to see what that's like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah full screen baby <laughs> i think uh well, as long as we're talking about the house atreides uh another perfectly cast part is duke leto um i really have no problem with oscar isaac or his performance here he looks great um he he see he i mean who wouldn't want him as as your dad right he's he, 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 I guess he, Nancy complained that the writing didn't make him seem great enough, or, uh, or whatever. But uh, I, I really, I mean, look at that beard; it's just great. I mean, I, I liked <laughs> him. In.
2: I liked him a lot. I just, yeah. Well, I just there wasn't enough interaction between the family and the common people. In fact, there were no common people.
1: There were. Yeah, I think
2: like, Paul was the sh- only non-soldier. Yeah, the shots flying over the city. There's like, I guess is it supposed to be like a tunneled city because it's too hot outside? Or yeah,
1: I think that's the idea. It's also like in midday, which I'm guessing most people are. I thought the shield
2: protected them from the weather.
1: I don't know what the shield is. I thought the shield was just mountains or something.
2: That's what I thought. But in this movie, it's a shield, right? Yeah. Uh,
1: I don't know.
2: You know, it's like uh, the Gungans. <laughs> I don't know. I guess
3: I like Duke Nukem. I'm, I'm wondering if he should. For some reason, I feel like he should have been older. I don't
2: know why. That's what I was kind of worried about. But also, he looks. You know, he looks kind of aged in this. Yeah. I mean,
1: there is some ambiguity there because Paul is supposed to be fifteen. <laughs> So,
0: so there's leaps in opposite directions. Even though <laughs> Chalamet and Oscar Isaac are not that far apart, he's playing older, and Chalamet is playing younger.
2: But I feel like both those actors, it works. Yeah, it's, it's fine. I, I could I could believe Timothy Chalamet's like seventeen or whatever, sixteen or yeah, because he needs to eat a fucking sandwich. Yeah, exactly.
1: Right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you so you like you like Timothy Chalamet though?
2: Yeah, yeah, he's great.
1: Well, let me ask you this way: Do you like him more than Kyle McLaughlin?
2: Well, he's way too old. <laughs> well, I think we—you you uh, mean right
0: now? Yeah, he could, he could not play Paul Atreides. <laughs> that is true.
3: <laughs> I think we we touched on this on our '80s podcast um, that I think at the time of filming, uh, Kyle MacLachlan was maybe like 24. And like that's not much different than like how old Timothy Chalamet was when he first started filming this. Yeah, um, he just looks forever twelve,
2: uh, so it works for Timothy Chalamet. No, I think it's perfect. Kyle McGoffin looks like forever thirty-two.
3: <laughs> you know, and I appreciate all the all the jokes, uh, courtesy of Duncan Idaho, about him being scrawny and stuff. That stuff
2: is
1: funny. right? So that's I, that's the breakout star of the movie Duncan Idaho, as played by Jason Momoa. He, he that
2: he, that's kind of the the reason I hope they go all the way to Chapter House <laughs> Dune. Just get more and more Jason Momoa.
1: There, are, I think I talked about this on the '80s podcast. There, there is definitely an interview out there where Jason Momoa is yeah. like strongly <laughs> implying, like, this is my only dude movie. Because uh, he, he has not read the books. He yeah. does not know what he has signed up for.
2: <laughs> it's funny. Like, the, I just started the fifth book, and he's like the main protagonist. <laughs> so <laughs> what?
0: Give me, give me a little bit of context. For so Duncan Idaho comes back in the later books.
2: So there's this species, or, well, they're all human, but this other planet of people called the Telaxu, mm-hmm. and they produce... They can clone people with just like one cell of DNA, and so like because Duncan Idaho is like the universe's best swordsman or whatever. Yeah, they like keep cloning him, uh-huh. and and so like well they they clone him once for like the third book, and he he uh, marries Aaliyah, but then um, uh, Leto the second. The second Leto, the second, um, uh, like likes Duncan Idaho so much he clones him like every sixty years for like four thousand years, and just keeps replacing him.
1: Which I mean, watch this movie, you get it, right? It seems like yeah. a fun guy to have around. Yeah, know? exactly.
2: But it's funny because like every time a, a Duncan starts like asking too many questions, uh, Leto just kills him and then <laughs> clones another one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, beware charismatic leaders. Yeah. Um, I think probably the most controversial, not casting, but performance in the movie is going to be Lady Jessica, uh, as played by Rebecca Ferguson. Um, so uh, and again, it's not it's not something anyone who's just seeing the movie is going to pick up on. It's something only for book readers. Um, but we know that the Bene Gesserit, uh which is the, the order that lady jessica is a part of are in such total control of their bodies that they can even choose not only to like become pregnant but to also like choose the sex of the baby they become pregnant with like they 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 have full every every faculty of their body is completely under their control um and so in the book uh lady jessica is stone cold she gives nothing away um and in the movie, she is freaking out and crying a lot. Um, which I am fine with because we read her inner monologue and she is freaking out a whole lot. Exactly. Uh, she is not a emotionless character. She is just someone who doesn't display emotions. And so the only way to depict that without doing 1984 style whisper <laughs> internal monologue voiceover is to just have the actor act their emotions
2: yeah I, i'm I hundred percent agree i'm i'm fine i'm a I'm fine with the choice I think it's a good choice um I, I thought she did a great job of of doing just that She's. I think she's probably one of my favorites like I don't know like I love that my favorite scene is the the thopter scene with where they escape from the deaf guy. It's I love that scene.
1: And she's that pretty stone cold there when she tells yeah. a guy to kill the other guy. Yeah, exactly. And I
2: feel like they, they they um they did a good job of expressing her ability to be stone cold because she could be like freaking out in the hallway one moment and then be totally under her faculties and that you know, coming into the room with the Reverend Mother, you know. So she's able it shows that her ability to control her emotions. She's just yeah showing the audience what the hell is going on i mean i could always um, use more whispering but you know it's just <laughs> <laughs> i i think
1: um one of the uh, elements of the book that they might run into trouble with when they do the second one uh because, but it's 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 not really present in this is um, frank herbert has a very like strong like barrier between what is masculine and what is feminine uh you know so you can say it's like the bene Gesserit are an all-female order and the mentats are an all-male order and and what makes the quitsite cataract special is you can tap into the genetic memory of both his uh fathers and mothers um and and the fremen society also like all the warriors are men and all the the women stay at home um and i i don't i'm i'm guessing that's that's everyone would agree that that's a pretty old-fashioned and and not true um, perspective and and not something that really belongs in a story in the 21st century. Um, But I think there's, like, you could argue that there's a weird side effect uh, in this where by making Lady Jessica emotional, it might weaken the fact that she's also a badass warrior and, um, you know, a a political genius and, and all these other things that she is. Because we we spend so much of the movie seeing her uh, I think very reasonably reacting to the most stressful few days of her life.
2: I mean, we uh, see her be a complete badass, too. Like, in the fight scenes and stuff.
1: Yeah, she beats Stilgar in a fight like it ain't no thing.
2: Yeah, it was, that was fucking sweet.
1: All, although, I was a little disappointed in that because she's supposed to be using the weirding way and it looks like she just just beats him so it's what w- w-
2: what would the weirding way be in this movie do we even know
1: i, I don't think we know i mean obviously in the 84 movie it's yeah. using your voice to Ooh. shoot sound waves
2: <laughs> <laughs> i just what i imagine assume- the weirding way in this movie was just the, like their sweet karate moves yeah
1: i don't know and when i read it in the book it, it seemed to me like it was like dragon ball z fighting we're no, like i was
2: just gonna say that yeah
1: like you teleport around and there's like an after image of you like where you were like they just can't keep track of you in the same way that the voice you know it, it like the idea of the voice is that you're communicating a message faster than your brain could think i thought of the weirding way as like you're moving in a way such that the eyes can't keep up with you
2: yeah, I think it's just going to be illustrated as they're super good at karate. <laughs> well,
1: I, and I think the last member of the cast we, we absolutely have to talk about uh, is is John's favorite character. You know, the Baron you know
3: it's my favorite character,
1: <laughs> the Baron. Make
3: him nude more. He wants to be nude. <laughs> he wants to be nude. <laughs> let him be naked. I'm glad we got that one shot of him like sitting in the weird like sauna thing,
2: just so we could really take in the that chocolate makeup. bath. And then the milk milk chocolate.
3: <laughs> well, no, there's the there's the because we first see him like naked and there's like steam all around him.
1: Yeah, he's in like a sauna thing.
3: And then yeah, we and he's
1: like r- he's he's rubbing his head in a very like Brando Apocalypse Now <laughs> oh. way.
3: Yeah, and then later he takes what we were calling the chocolate bath. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have to be that happy it and I love how like they just they have the nice little addition of above his spine that that uh, his suspensor and it lights up so you can see that's how he's moving around. Just we, it makes a
1: weird sort of like knuckle popping sound when it turns oh, on too. Yeah, it's really good.
3: It's gross! Like there's probably some fluid in there or something. Yeah, I need more of this Baron. That that uh, scene with him and Duke Leto is fantastic. You know, I was having a little bit of trouble understanding the Baron
2: because he's he's so like
3: like that. He just
2: yeah. Um, I was thinking about watching it with subtitles.
3: I might just for those scenes. <laughs> uh, but no, he's he's super scary. The makeup's great. I I like that the design is is relatively simple, uh, and I like that he floats.
1: So I saw in that article that Stellan Starsard uh, Signed on Specifically because he agreed With Denis Villeneuve that this should be A, a prosthetic He didn't want to play a motion captured character um, Oh that would have been so and-
3: bad Thank god A motion captured fat person <laughs> oh
0: god it Just look like a giant baby
1: yeah, uh, it, it, they, they said uh, every day he was on set It took 8 hours to apply everything huh. uh, Which is insane so, It's a whole work day Yeah <laughs> Props for that um, Yeah, Looking forward to seeing more of him Also this, this, the whole Harkonnen family seems to be made of uh, Old Darth Vader with his helmet Taken off the of of <laughs> It seems to be their genetic look I do um, wonder right. how they're going to handle
3: Fade showing up Because in the book they were talking about Fade was like so hot But I'm worried <laughs> yeah. he's just going to look like them Like another Darth Vader because <laughs> off. Yeah
2: but like hot Like the hot version of that Yeah
1: Yeah maybe So I mean Bill Skarsgård is out there mm-hmm.
3: Who's that one guy there floating around um, I want to say it was like the guy from Ready Player One uh, Ty Sheridan, Ty be Sheridan. Isn't, I'm sure he'd be fine. He isn't super exciting though. Mm, I know we, I we, we were the, trying to go obvious... for Harry Styles. Okay, we, yeah, we, hot Harry we, Styles. We Harry Styles.
0: Ty Sheridan just has like such a glazed look in his eye. It doesn't seem like he'd care that much about fighting Paul. Oh, well. Is Harry
2: Styles tall enough? <laughs> just, I mean, no, but he's hot
3: him, enough. Like,
0: yeah, let's give him like platform shoes.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna look up I, um, Chalamet's age and then see who else is his age. So Let's, I did this, exactly John.
1: Exactly. I, I looked up a, a list of, of actors under twenty five exactly. um uh, just to see. Uh so here Here are a few of the ones that I put on my list as I I guess it could work. Uh got Finn Wolfhart from <laughs> The Stranger Things. Uh Jaden Smith still in that window. Uh, Lucas Hedges Remember that guy uh, From uh, the, the Manchester by the Sea and whatnot. not uh, Tony Revolori uh, From the Grand Budapest Hotel And the Spider-Man movies uh, And there is a younger Skarsgård than Bill Skarsgård Called Volter Skarsgård you to say Who is an actor <laughs> Voltron Skarsgård They put them all together and somehow they end up younger Um so he's out there, uh, but uh, oh, and then I put uh, Barry uh, Keoghan on my list. You know that guy? He's in Eternals. He's the he's like the kid in yeah. uh, the Killing of a Sacred Deer. Green Knight. Yeah, yeah, he's in Green Knight.
3: Well, I'm looking not up. Super I'm old. also looking up actors born. I'm looking at actors
1: born in 1995,
3: which is when Tunde Shaman okay. was
1: born. So you want an actor exactly the same age? And I found a, a pick that
3: I like, but I don't think he's famous enough. I think Ross Lynch would be really good. He was the guy who was in My Friend Dahmer. I think that was called. That's what it was called, right? Because he used to be like on a Disney Channel show, and you know they got Zendaya, so it's like, hey, let's bring in some more Disney talent in here. He's just like super handsome, same age, very good actor. Um, I also see Post Malone. It's born '95. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I want another musician.
0: But I don't want Post Malone. <laughs>
2: He's got a lot of tats. Mm. Should just get the rock. <laughs> God, that would,
3: People would lose their shit.
0: Maybe not in a good way.
3: <laughs> a musician. That's so tough. Yeah. God, Ty Sheridan is so close to uh, Timothy Chalamet's age. They're probably just going to do that, right?
1: No, get Harry Styles. Just do it, you cowards. Just
3: do it. Yeah, come on. Just
1: um,
0: do it. Also, also uh, <laughs> when Stig did, dude, he was thirty-three years old.
2: He looks great. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, so was it that? Is it remind me lore wise? Fade was supposed to mate with the girl version of Paul. Yeah. yeah. And that and that would produce the Quetzal
1: That was the idea. Yeah, fucked up. But there's also the other wannabe Quitzai Hatarak Count Fendring, like if it's not Konomokken, mm-hmm. they fucked up.
3: That's my choice. I saw um Kamikaken was even like tweeting about the new dune, be like, "Hey, check out the new dune, looks great."
1: <laughs>
3: so it's like, "Come on. Yeah.
1: Get him in there." I'm a bone.
3: So I did see a lot of it doesn't people, have to be
1: fucking Jake Gyllenhaal. Come on!
3: I did see a lot of people saying Jeff Goldblum just because <laughs> Count Fenring has that secret language where he's like, um, hum, 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 hum. <laughs> and like Jeff Goldblum <laughs> stammers quite a bit when he talks, so it looks like he's already got it down. <laughs> I think it would be so cool if he did Kyle Oaklin, though. That's my that's my pick too. I, I did probably, we
1: I forget if we did this in the other podcast. Do we do we want to talk about fan casting the other major parts?
3: I mean, I think our fan casting has remained the same, Kyle McLaughlin and Harry Styles. I think that's what we established yeah. on I guess there's the Emperor. Who would you like to see? Yeah, play? did we talk about the Emperor or,
1: or Princess Erlon
3: I guess we didn't. Or Aaliyah.
1: Yeah, who's your favorite <laughs> under ten-year-old actor?
3: <laughs> who's my favorite like two-year-old actor? <laughs> Ba-
2: baby genius. <laughs> Jesus.
3: Um, I mean, the emperor's easy. I'm, you just get Ben Kingsley, and you're good. You're done. <laughs> sure.
1: I was looking through a list of actors uh, that Denis Villeneuve has worked with before. Oh, there you go. To see if there was someone there, uh, and the the most likely options I put together from my my list were Benicio del Toro, <laughs> uh, Jared Leto uh oh. Forrest Whitaker and uh, and finally Michael Stuhlbarg to get a, another uh, calling by your name actor involved in this project I also think Kenneth Branagh would be fine as the emperor Oh
3: yeah I like that I don't mind I don't feel like the emperor has to be any specific age he doesn't have to be yeah an old a bald white-haired man
1: um, I mean, that's the thing about the spice, is like he could be 60 and still look 30. He can be 100 and still look 50.
3: So we can have Hot Emperor uh, if you want.
1: If you want. We can have, you, we can have have <laughs> you could have Hugh Jackman. You could have Hugh Jackman. I would have, have been curious fourth. to
3: see a Hugh Jackman Duke Lado. I'm just throwing it out there. Just throwing shit mm. out. Yeah. He's
1: a good
0: dude that everybody likes. Inherently. I like Oscar Isaac. I just
3: feel like he should, I, it. Just in from in my headcanon, I feel like Duke Lando needs to be a little older. He's to have a little more experience mm-hmm. behind.
1: Um. And then for Princess Erlan come on, just put Sir Ronan in there. <laughs> you know you need to. <laughs> yeah, not?
3: Um, also, we need to get Clint Howard as
2: one of the navigators. <laughs> 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 I really wish they would have... I still need to edit together my... my scene of... of, uh... David Lynch as the spice operator. (laughs) Should have brought him back. Turn... turn around. (laughs) We
3: gotta get the spice. Do you guys like the worms? Were they big enough?
0: Oh, yeah. They're big. Yeah. They're real big. (laughs) I I can't even, like, really... Wrap my mind around. What's going on with those teeth?
2: They're so long. Yeah, why do they make such short knives? Make a sword. <laughs> yeah, I want a sword that's like are... twenty feet
3: tall.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I get it right. Like that's it's baleen, like like what whales have for like filtering out the sand. Because yeah. I think there's one part where they show it like open up real big And you can see that there is like a mouth Like deep down in there and yeah, I think they, Other uh, shit going on They
3: made an effort to make it um, Like make sense <laughs> in terms of like this could actually Like exist like anatomically correct Even though it's a fictional creature
2: mm-hmm.
3: So I think they took All of that into consideration
1: I will say A lot of people online are like hey that thing looks like A big butthole and I, that didn't occur To me until I read that feedback online Yeah so. Did, did that hit you guys?
2: Was I mean, it like that anime when when the when the uh, guy crawled out of the cat's butthole? Remember that? <laughs> okay, so no. Daisy's
3: describing a, a trailer that we saw for like. You know, one of those like anime things that has like a limited screening in a in a theater. Some movie where a guy a a fathom event a fathom event basically where a guy walks out of a cat's butthole. (laughs) It's so funny because like that was playing. You know, everybody's just talking amongst themselves, and that one shot happens. I feel like it gets everyone in the audience's attention. Like, wait, what? (laughs) What the hell? Stunned with silence. As for the sandworm looking like a butthole, I mean, that's what I imagine sandworms look like. They look like buttholes.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure happen. every... It didn't occur to me. Every representation of the
1: worms, visually, has always looked kind of like a butthole. It's just... It's just how it goes. Or a penis. You know, it's it's gonna be genitals. That's just...
2: It's a penis with a butthole on the end. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What's more terrifying than that? <laughs> <laughs>
2: and I did I did love the uh, adjustment to Liot Kine's death
1: Pretty I was funny. gonna ask about that yeah um, the, the only part of that that I didn't like is that um, she just gets like stabbed in the back like an idiot because uh, the scene before that they they show that the the fremen are able to like sense the Sardaukar coming from like miles away and hide from them uh, and then Kynes just gets stabbed in the back no, there's a lot um, but yeah, it's so much cooler than uh, just hanging out on a pre spice mass, talking to uh, your hallucination dad. <laughs> Which, like, that's another. Like, are they going to go into what a pre spice mass is? Are they going to talk about sand trout in this, in part two?
3: They can if they want to, but they don't have to. I'm not going to be mad. They don't have to. I'm trying to think of what I'll be disappointed uh, uh, about if they don't include. You know, I'm trying to think if there's anything in this movie that I'm disappointed that they didn't include. And not really. Nothing, like, comes to mind immediately. I feel like they got pretty much everything I wanted to see.
1: Um. Which is, like, spaceships landing in slow motion. Like so many real big spaceships. And then also lots of lots of cool knife fighting.
3: I guess I wanted to see more spice. I mean they didn't mention how important it was, but I just like want to see it, you know. This shit's important.
1: Yeah, it'd be nice to see like what the refined spice that like fancy people ingest is like as opposed to just seeing it as like shit you breathe in on the wind.
3: I think it's details like that. I would have liked to see more of that. I would have liked to see people living in Erekeen. Just stuff to make it feel like the world was more full of stuff. (laughs) Like, it kind of feels, like, empty in a way. I mean, it is a desert planet. Um, Just more little details for people to latch onto and explore.
2: And I'm excited to see more of, like... What Seach Tabar like, looks like, and all the people. I'm sure we'll see a lot yeah. of people living there and stuff.
1: Yeah. Being sweaty and smelly.
2: I can't wait I- to see Paul raise. Uh, what's his name's kids?
1: Oh, Jamie's kids. kids, yeah.
2: Oh, by the way, that
1: reminded me. I thought it was such a cool touch that they. So, like, part of Paul's prescient ability is he sees, like, a bunch of potential futures. Yeah. And so yeah. the way that they show that in this is they have um, him having two visions of Jamis in his future. One where they're like best friends and Jamis is like I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about the desert. And he just seems like a real great guy. And then another one where Jamis kills him with a knife. Uh, you see both these before they actually have their, their duel. I thought that was an amazing touch.
2: Yeah, dude.
3: For bonus points, can you guys remember the name of Jamis' kids? On our 80s podcast, I said that. It, what if it comes up in pub trivia? <laughs> do not. And then Colin remember. said he didn't think it would. But you never know.
2: It just came up again, and I failed. <laughs> well, it's because yeah.
3: we, we noticed that even though Jameese wasn't in uh, the 80s movie, there are still two kids with, that had the names of his kids. So mm. that's weird uh, Caleb and Orlop. Orlop! Ugh.
1: I think I could have gotten Orlop eventually, because that's a great name. Caleb
3: and Orlop. Well they show uh, up. But I've already
1: forgotten what you said the other one was.
3: Caleb, Like Caleb, but with an F.
1: That's like um the the Jesus of the Klingons. K less. K less. what I'm talking Sounds about. Sounds like a
3: store. Like, like pay less. <laughs> it's like the it's like K- the, it's like the dollar store here. version of Kmart. <laughs>
1: um I I think uh the only other thing I wanted to talk about was how good the sound design was. Um the the soundtrack by Hans Zimmer uh was, was done in collaboration with the sound designers and I think it all goes together really well, especially conveying, you know things that are hard to do, like what the voice sounds like. Uh, or, or what the you know conveying with sound, what the feeling of experiencing having your hand in the in the box during the gomchavar test uh, It's like. Uh, I thought that this movie absolutely nailed that. It probably, if there's any categories where it should win Oscars, it's it's these these technical ones. It looked really good and it sounded really good, and the costumes were great.
2: And that was uh, my favorite part of the theater experience. <laughs>
1: I would also say since you bring that up uh, watching it at home I did not have the tenant experience of having to like adjust my volume a whole bunch it seemed pretty well mixed on HBO Max
2: good uh,
3: yeah no I think this has got to clean up and the technical awards at the next Oscars and hopefully best sound score um, or we're fucked because this is this is some of Zimmer's best work and the sound team did a great job Though, I mean, it's tough to compete gotta... with Toto and Brian Eno from
2: the <laughs> 80s version. Yeah, I hope we get a a, a nod during the Soundworm writing.
3: I want a nod to uh, Iron Maiden's To Tame a Land. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should, the next they should one. close out the second movie with To Tame a Land. Yeah, I was going
0: to say. It just cuts to
3: black, and then we hear that song. <laughs> That is fucking sweet. The best song. <laughs> he is the king of all the land in the kingdom of the sands of a time tomorrow. It includes so much of the book too. It it, 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 it there's that one line I'm looking at right now. He is the quiz that's had a rack. He is born of Caladan and will take the Gom Jabbar. <laughs> it's like these guys did their homework. Yeah, but didn't Frank Herbert like hate it? Oh yeah. Well, they're like, can we call it Dune? He's like, no.
1: <laughs>
3: he had no interest yeah. I don't think that he hated He's it. just like I don't like I don't care about what this is yeah. He's too busy in like Building his own ecosystem And riding books. Trying to be present I wonder if he has yeah. this like If there's like a Like if there's like a Frank Herbert like Historical home you can visit I feel like we'd know about it If, it, if there was one
2: I'm sure Brian Herbert is working on opening it. <laughs> did he, how
0: many books did Frank Herbert write before his son took over?
1: Uh, he wrote 6, six. six. and That's... and he was planning on 7 being the last one, which is really annoying.
2: Mm-hmm. But you can read it. It's two different books. I feel like I might give those books a try. <laughs>
1: Just those two?
2: Just yeah, if it like, yeah. I mean, I'm not really interested in reading the next twenty Brian Herbert books. If it's, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. if it's continuing the same, whatever, I might, I might check it. Because I'm yeah, really th- enjoying the fifth one. So.
1: I think he jumps all over the place too. I think there's like a trilogy about the Butlerian Jihad, and yeah. there's like
2: how the Benny Jester was formed. And that's all some that expanded stuff. universe bullshit, right there.
3: Um, I bet he would've liked this. He was- he didn't even hate the- I don't think he hated the 80s one. Well, no, yeah. I don't think he did. I think he was flattered by the fact that someone wanted to make Dude Do a movie. Um, I finally watched some video interviews with him recently. i would never seen him, like, in an- like, actually, like, in the flesh, talking on camera.
2: Seems like an okay guy. A couple. Yeah. The greatest man so, to ever live,
3: solid beard. Gird, yeah, according to his son. <laughs> that would be so fucking weird to spend the rest of your life writing books off
2: your dad's idea. Like, who's ever read a Christopher Tolkien book? Do you think his other siblings are like kind of annoyed with him? Like he, like at Thanksgiving, he's always like talking about Dune shit. Like, okay, come on. Like the the rest of his siblings have normal father relationships where they're like what dad did was kind of lame <laughs> well there is another herbert um let me see what he's up to what he's what he's got going
3: on because brian herbert's the oldest i believe of his kids um i mean doesn't guarantee that his brother is gonna have a wikipedia page
0: it doesn't look like he does i'm on frank herbert's wikipedia and next to Bruce Herbert, it says "possibly estranged." Oh no, so he's, he's probably not as big a
3: fan of him as as Brian is. He's a fucking bully who hates nerds and works at Kinkos.
2: That's an interesting Wikipedia entry. Possibly estranged. I include ad at all. Citation needed. <laughs>
3: Somebody better check this out Oh you know We were talking about the music Also those throat singers That the Sardaukar had Mm -hmm. How cool was that
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I've got a question Who do you think was The voice in uh, Paul's head Like during all his visions There's like a female that satirax Saying all that shit Who do you think that was?
1: Um, personally I didn't think that was a person I thought that was just him connecting to his, his Genetic link. memory mm-hmm. Yeah mm.
3: it, was, uh, it was Padme That's my prediction <laughs> Yeah Lincoln together. Finally and it's going to be interesting. All the people who are like, "Oh, this is all they all did this in Star Wars." <laughs> we did I mean, yeah. like, are people even going to be that compelled by the the twist, um, you know, pertaining to the Baron and, and Lady Jessica?
1: Oh yeah, because yeah, that just fuck. seems
3: so much like Star Wars. But it's like, well, yeah, but this was f- f- first twelve years earlier. I do wonder if there is going to be people um, who maybe. Uh, like the the Lynch version, or, or at least respect it for being weirder. Who are gonna complain that this movie doesn't take enough risks, um, in terms of aesthetics, or just not being like psychedelic enough?
2: Like Yoderasky <laughs> would have done like the, or something. I feel like the next one. That's that's where the psychedelics come into play. Like hard. Yeah. Yeah. This one there, felt like there
1: a, are at least two big scenes of just tripping out that they are going to have to do uh, just to do the story of the second part
3: no I think it's good to just build like a firm like foundation with this first movie so that the second one has more room to to get a little weirder yeah I would love to know if Jodorowsky has seen this or has any interest in seeing it
1: I, doubt I don't it know does. what his
3: relationship to Dune is now.
1: I believe he never saw the the David Lynch version.
3: I mean, but that one was pretty close to his falling apart. Um, but yeah, you're probably right. He's probably, he doesn't uh, strike me as the kind of guy he keeps up with. He's probably not going to like see Avengers and shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to send you guys this great picture I found of Yodorowsky and uh, Mobius with their design for what a Sardaukar would have looked like. Uh it looks like some sort of uh sex warrior. <laughs> it's like a gimp costume with a blade on top. I'm I'm surprised that they built a costume. Actually this is pretty good. Yeah, I'm into it. I did like the Sardaukar design though. They you know, they had those kind of white that white armor and they just kinda of flowed into scenes. It's spooky.
1: If anything, was, um it seemed a little samey. That was my, my only concern. Like the it seemed like the Atreides soldiers and the Harkonnen soldiers and the Sardacar and even the Fedakine we see in that one vision are all basically wearing the same sort of armor, just in different colors.
2: That's what I was wondering. I was wondering if like people understood who the Sardacar like were and like that they are the Empire's force, right? I wasn't sure if people I feel would get like, yet, it was like pretty they're clear. A different things. But
3: again, it's like it's easy for me to say. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would have assumed
2: that was obvious, but... Well, because there's the scene with Pita goes to the planet and, you know, he goes to the Sardaukar planet and he's, like, recruiting them, but, like, I it wasn't, it, I mean, I already knew, but it wasn't 100% clear to me that this, like, okay, these are the Emperor's guys and they're coming and they're super good at fighting. Mm-hmm. But but if they were like, if they
3: were Harkonnen's guys, why would Piter have to convince them? You know? Yeah, that's true. Plus, the guy does mention, like, we take orders from the Emperor. Are you sure this came from the Emperor? Like, Mm. it's there. Yeah, I just missed it. If you pay attention, it's there.
2: I was too busy. It is distracting with that guy going, oh, shit, what's going on over there? I think that whole scene, I was just, like, looking at all the people dying. Um, I think uh,
1: you can also differentiate them because, like the Atreides guys, seem to be pretty good at killing the Harkonnen soldiers. Yeah. But then, like the Sardaukar, like float down from the sky
2: and just massacre them.
1: So you probably recognize there's something going on there. And they're all
2: fighting in their pajamas. Yeah, I think there would have been a better protocol to like people getting ready to fight.
1: I mean they must have been like, it doesn't really matter because we're all we all have our shields anyway.
2: Yeah. That's true.
1: Was there any laser guns in the movie? There were two scenes of laser guns. There's one when uh Duncan is escaping on his Thopter, uh, and he gets shot, uh, and you, you see on his on his like readout that the shield goes
2: down, and so then
1: uh a laser gun is fired at his thopter, and it's pretty sweet. It's like he's out running a giant laser pointer.
2: Oh, oh is that what the blue thing is at the in the like going through the wall.
1: Yeah, and that's the other scene you see of a lace gun is they use mm-hmm. one to pierce that wall, uh, in the kind's hideout yeah. area. Okay. But uh yeah, we, we see the we see the shields and we see the lace guns. We do not see people talk about the reason why you don't fire lace guns at people wearing the shields. But uh, yeah. another thing for part two, I guess. It's in the glossary. <laughs> yeah. Well, typically at the end of these, I do a goofs section, uh, but currently IMDb does not have any goofs, um, so I, I'm, just gonna, I'm just going to go with a, uh, a nitpick, not unlike that one that Nancy brought up, um, which is when Paul and Jamis have their, their duel, they, uh, they do it while still wearing their still suits, which I think goes against the book where they, uh, they I think, strip down into loincloths or something for the duel uh because the fremen would not risk you know wasting the water of of a still suit being punctured and and dumping water out on the ground they they certainly would not choose to fight each other that way so that's 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 my goof i don't know uh how that how that one got by Villeneuve. i guess they just thought it would be too silly to have them change out of clothes so close to the end of the movie
3: I've already done a villains wiki for Dune, so.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess, yeah. Um, Well, thanks for listening to us briefly talk about James Bond and then mostly talk about our uh, deep love for Dune. Um, I I think we were all elated to hear that they're going to make the second one and it'll be out uh, in 2023. Uh, basically two years from from right now uh which is pretty exciting um so i'm sure we'll, we'll get together to talk about that then uh in the meantime hopefully you've been enjoying um uh, shocktober over on our blog mildlyplease.com that is uh wrapping up pretty soon um and then uh, we we have some some potential plans in place for uh, a another November event. Uh, just have to determine if we have the willpower to make it happen. Um, so so stay tuned at MileyPlease.com. Uh, keep looking for more podcasts by searching Miley Pleased on whatever you you podcast with. Um, and uh, until then, we'll speak to you next time.